0: Good morning. Today's reading is John 1, verses 43 through 50, and it's found on page 6 of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. the Son of Man.
1: All right, here we go. Let's pause and let's say a word of prayer together. Let me pray. Jesus, we pray that you would come now and make yourself known through your word. Reading this story about you from 2,000 years ago. But we know you're alive today, and the truth of who you are can penetrate our hearts even today. So send your spirit, and come and change our hearts, change our community, our church, and even our neighborhood. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wavelength division multiplexer. ITU standard G.694.2, transmitter wavelength tolerance. Uh, The technical terms and the phrases, they flew at me at a dizzying, almost embarrassing pace. Personally, I felt like a fish out of water, deeply just uncomfortable, but no matter, In that moment, it was my job as a consultant, now over 15 years ago, to attend these telecommunications conferences and to speak to a client's competitors and potential customers. And so I would just listen to presentations and even have conversations with engineers about things I had no idea what I was talking about. (laughs) DFB lasers, optical switches, erbium-doped fiber amplifiers, everyone in the room assumed at these conferences that you knew what one of those were. Everyone assumed that you understood this foreign language. At times I just wish there was someone, someone, anyone who could give me a private tutorial or at least just to slow down to explain a few of these terms to me, or better, to explain what they had to do with my AOL dial-up internet service at home. A few years ago. What I just described might be familiar to some of you, not only because it's a snapshot of my past work experience, but also maybe because it describes some of yours. But maybe more importantly, because from what I've heard from many of you, that also described what it can feel like for someone that's new or newer to the Christian faith to step into a church. The experience of discomfort. All that jargon the unexplained technical terms, the weird religious idioms, the assumption that everyone understands that foreign language called Christianese. And it's not that you're not intelligent, it's just that you perhaps didn't grow up hearing this stuff like some people. And it's not even that you're not interested either in what the Bible has to say. You're even willing maybe to hear some of the seemingly offensive things that the Bible has to say, but what's said on Sunday morning or in community on a Wednesday night is often incomprehensible. And your experience of Christian community is often alienating and ultimately spiritually unhelpful. This is one of the reasons why we here at Grace Meridian Hill Are committed to being what we call a spiritually diverse community. You'll find that phrase in our mission statement. That statement itself, you can find it printed in your bulletins, I believe, in the sermon section on page eight. And here's what it says Our mission as a church is to build a gospel community that is intentionally spiritually diverse, cross cultural, and neighborhood centered for the good of our neighbors and the glory of Jesus Christ in Columbia Heights, Mount Pleasant, and Adams Morgan, and beyond. Well, Each Sunday this month, we're looking at that mission statement, and we're learning about some of the biblical foundations of our mission. And so last week, we explained a little bit of what one of these key phrases means, gospel community. Today, we're looking at a second key phrase, spiritually diverse Community, Spiritually diverse community. What does that mean? Well, in short, it means this. That we as a church are committed to walking with friends and neighbors from a whole variety of spiritual backgrounds. People in our lives and in our neighborhood who have honest questions and also doubts about the Christian faith. People like some of you. The passage we're looking at today takes place at the very, very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Here he's started to gather together some of his disciples. That's the 12 men who would become not only his apprentices and future leaders, but also some of his closest friends. And that included Andrew and Peter and Philip, all names mentioned in verses 43 and 44. Follow me, he told each of them, And they did. But you might have noticed the story slows down a little bit when we encounter Nathaniel. Nathaniel is probably another name for the disciple that's also known in the Bible as Bartholomew. And throughout Jesus' interaction with Nathaniel and throughout this passage as a whole, we learn a few things about what it means to be what we're calling a spiritually diverse community. So what is that? Six quick things. Let's take a look. Number one, spiritually diverse community is intentional. It's intentional. The story opens up telling us in verse 43 that Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Galilee was a region in ancient Palestine just north of Judea and Samaria. It was a more ethnically diverse area, it was also a more religiously diverse region. And here's what's interesting about this observation. See, when Jesus was building his community, when he was gathering his leaders, he didn't go down to Jerusalem, the capital city of the ancient Jewish faith. Jesus didn't go down to where all the religious people, where the already groomed religious leaders were, he went in the opposite direction, intentionally. You see, a a spiritually diverse community is a community that doesn't seek the emotional or intellectual safety of a religiously homogenous neighborhood or community. Instead, it's a community that's intentionally seeking to be surrounded by people of a whole range of religious backgrounds in order that we might build real relationships with our neighbors. And that's why we count it as a great joy, even a privilege, to be in a city and a neighborhood like ours with all different kinds of people, all different kinds of spiritual dispositions and beliefs. It's even one of the reasons why we are, as a church, committed to being a neighborhood church rather than just a megachurch or a regional church, and that's in order that we might be able to build real relationships with our local neighbors, people who might believe differently than we do, because proximity can build familiarity and neighborly trust. So even the model and the approach of our church, even the scale and scope of our church is an intentional Effort to build a spiritually diverse community. We want to be intentional in building a community where people who are searching for God but haven't yet found Him are joyfully included in our midst. And so, if that actually describes you, and we always have a mix of folks every single week we gather, if that describes you, I hope you're hearing this message. You're not just welcome. You are one of the main reasons why we exist. Number two, secondly, spiritually diverse community is friendship. It's friendship. How did Nathaniel come to meet Jesus? Well, in verse 45, we're told, Philip found Nathaniel and told him about Jesus. Philip invited him. He's the one that introduced Nathaniel to Jesus. See, spiritually diverse community is a place where people joyfully invite their friends and their neighbors into such a community on a regular basis. Introducing them to their friends. And most of all, to the friend of all friends, Jesus himself. Humbly walking alongside them as friends in their spiritual journey. A uh, spiritually diverse community is a place where Christian members frequently repeat the gentle yet forthright words of Philip, come and see. Come and see. Nabil Qureshi was a well-known Christian speaker and New York Times best-selling author. And he actually died yesterday after an intense battle with cancer. And in many respects, humanly speaking, Nabeel was among the unlikeliest people to come to faith in Jesus. Uh, he was a former Muslim of Pakistani descent. He lived in a very nurturing and caring home with great trust, with a lot of religious reinforcement coming from his family. He loved his family very much. And he had read the entire Quran in Arabic by the age of five, well-trained. And by the age of 15, he had actually memorized the last 15 chapters of the Quran, both in English and in Arabic. So an unlikely person to come to faith in Jesus. So what was it then that first began his incredible journey to Christ? It was a friendship. As a freshman at Old Dominion University in Virginia, just not far from here, Nabil became friends with a sophomore named David Wood, a person who was also a Christian. By the way, interestingly, the, the first thing that caught Nabil's attention was simply noticing David just reading his Bible. Because from a devout Muslim's perspective, that was something he thought Christians never actually did. Eventually, they, Nabil and David, became best of friends, signing up for uh, school events together, going to class together, studying for exams together, all the while debating and discussing Islam and Christianity. Now, long story short, long, fascinating story short. I invite you to look up his testimony. It's all over the Internet. Long story short, Nabil Qureshi would eventually put his trust in Christ. But it all began with an authentic relationship, personal contact with a trusted Christian friend. As Nabeel wrote about David a few years ago, he did not waver in his witness, nor did he waver in his friendship with me. Spiritually diverse community is friendship. Those of you who are Christians, Do you make yourselves available to friends and neighbors who might have some questions about the person of Jesus, about your faith? If you're someone today that's searching, do you have Christian friends around you who are willing to walk with you? Are you willing to build friendships as a key ingredient to how you might actually find some answers to the deep questions on your heart? Thirdly, spiritually diverse community welcomes skeptics. It welcomes skeptics. At first, Nathaniel is skeptical, resistant. In verse 45, Philip tells Nathaniel, probably with some excitement, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Which is another way of saying, I think we found the promised Messiah. Well, how does Nathaniel respond? He says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? No, what's he saying and why? You see, Nazareth, well, it was a small town. It was forgettable. Nazareth wasn't sophisticated at all. In fact, in that day, It was a town that was famously looked down upon. So you could almost see Nathaniel upon hearing that the purported Messiah was from Nazareth, you could almost see him rolling his eyes when Philip told him that Jesus is from there, because nothing worth anything comes from Nazareth, let alone the Savior of the world. But here's what's amazing. Jesus doesn't scold Nathaniel for his skepticism or his doubt. In fact, in a few moments when he finally meets him face to face, Jesus commends him for his honesty. Verse 47, he tells us, oh, verse 47 tells us, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel is forthright and, and even outspoken about his disbelief, even to the point of being blunt, even offensive. But Jesus accepts him. And we want to be like Jesus. See, a spiritually diverse community is a place that's not afraid of doubt, a place that prizes intellectual and emotional and spiritual honesty as an important part of the process of growing in true and mature faith. A spiritually diverse community is a community that's a, a safe place where people can wrestle with the claims of Christianity, where people who don't believe are treated with dignity, which all too often, unfortunately, sadly, can be hard to find in religious communities even Christian community, a place where we show respect for your hard questions and where we're never surprised or taken aback when you ask them. See, Many people today view Christianity much like Nathaniel viewed Nazareth, unimpressive, socially backwards, maybe a little lame. Maybe this describes how you see the Christian faith or Christians. Let's be honest. But you know what? Jesus teaches us this, to say and to feel this. We are glad that you're here. This is the right place to be. Jesus embraces all forms of skepticism and doubt, especially as we ourselves are humble to know that that's the story where most of us, many of us, come from. Whether in the past or even now, we are struggling people. We are people that are all in process. We are people that are saved by grace, Christian friends. Not by your smarts. Not by your doubtlessness. Not by the perfection of your faith. Not the strength of your hold on Jesus, but on his hold on you. And so we can give room, breathing room, for those questions even when we don't always know the answers or when the answers are hard. Again, in the words of Philip, are you full of doubt? Are you full of skepticism? Even resistance? Come and see. Come and see Jesus. Come and see what following him might look like. Ask your questions. Be real with your objections. Let's talk about it. In community. Jesus is the answer to life's biggest questions. Of course, it's natural not to be sure about that claim right from the start, but won't you come and see? Fourthly, spiritually diverse community is patient. It's patient. In verse 48, Nathanael asked Jesus, how do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus answered, Look, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael is just amazed because Jesus is talking about apparently about a time before they actually met face to face. Jesus somehow knew where Nathanael was before he ever set his physical eyes upon him. So Nathanael suddenly convinced that Jesus must be someone special. He blurts out, You are the king of Israel. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, once again, Jesus' response is surprising. He doesn't actually say, great, a new convert, a feather in my cap. You know, add that to our number. Here we go. Moving on. This is too easy. Mm. He doesn't say that, does he? He actually slows Nathaniel down. Just a little. He replies in verse 50, You believe because I told you you saw under the fig tree, you will see greater things than that. Jesus invites him to even further investigation, even deeper consideration of who Jesus is. Because Jesus doesn't just want to impress you. He doesn't want to just win fans. He's trying to win deep, grounded, life and death followers. He doesn't just want to wow people with a miracle, a display of supernatural knowledge. I saw you under the fig tree. Whoa, yeah, follow me. No, more. He wants more. He doesn't want to just meet your felt needs alone, giving you a little bit of peace, a little bit of psychological comfort. He wants you. He wants you to want him, not just for what he gives you, but for who he is. And that takes time, patience. A spiritually diverse community is patient. It's committed to a process with individuals. It's intentional, yes, as we mentioned earlier. Yes, we do long for people to follow Jesus, to respond to his call, as Jesus put out there in this passage, follow me. And in fact, in our church, in the several years that we've been around, baptizing new followers of Jesus has been one of our greatest joys. We long to see more, of course. But spiritually diverse community is patient. We won't resort to applying unhealthy pressure or manipulation just to change people's minds, because Jesus did not The power of conversion it belongs to Jesus alone. We're called to serve. We're called to walk alongside. Yes, we're called to speak truth and love but we patiently watch how Jesus works in different people's lives and in each of us, sometimes at a different pace. Because we're coming from different starting points. And we're each facing different roadblocks and challenges, aren't we? And by the way, Nabil Qureshi, he eventually did become a Christian, as I mentioned, But that didn't actually happen until over five years of active, intensive search, debate, and prayer. Each of us will be on a journey at different times and in different ways. Jesus invites, Nathaniel invites us to a deep, settled knowledge of who he is. He even gives this little clue, this heads up to Nathaniel. A little bit of who he is. When he says in verse 50, 51, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Where he's quoting from the book of Genesis from the story of Jacob. Where Jacob has a dream about a ladder that goes from heaven all the way down to earth. A stairway to heaven, if you've ever heard the phrase. Angels symbolizing the presence of God ascending and descending this ladder up and down from heaven to earth. Jesus is identifying himself as that very ladder. The one in whom, in his person, would span heaven and earth and make a way to God possible. That Jesus, who later in this very same book of John would say, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, that Jesus is the one by which we can come into the presence of God. Jesus is the one that brings the glory of God, and the kindness of God, and the forgiveness of God, and the presence of God into contact with our human existence. It's found in him, and Jesus is telling Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think it's impressive that I can tell you where you sat a few minutes ago. You ain't seen nothing yet about what I can really do, save you from your sins, give you life, call you my own, make you the father's child. So come and see. Keep walking. Keep investigating. Keep searching. Keep following me. A spiritually diverse community is intentional. It's friendship. It welcomes skeptics. It's a patient community in process. And fifthly and lastly, a spiritually diverse community translates. Translates. You notice another thing that Jesus does at the end here when he's interacting with Nathaniel is that he translates some words. He helps. Nathanael understands some of the language that he's using. You see, Nathaniel threw out these terms, king of Israel, son of God, and, and though each of those have some truth to it and are right terms for Jesus, in that day, they were terms that were used from the Messiah, and they were absolutely politically loaded terms. They were terms that led people to expect that the true rescuer that they were waiting for would ultimately and mostly come and deliver them from oppression under the Roman Empire. He would be a military conqueror. He would be a political leader. He would conquer their physical enemies under his foot. Jesus comes in, and he's bringing in a different sort of kingdom. And so he gives them different words to translate, to reconfigure, to redefine and explain these terms to people who might not understand them. And so he offers up this phrase, Son of Man. You find it in verse 51. That's one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself. It comes from the book of Daniel. And it's actually this wonderful term that refers to a a king-like individual who reigns with the authority of God... In fact, in this vision of Daniel, he kind of is like God, but he's also somehow like a human being. And he sits on a throne, but only after having gone through intensive suffering that even looks like a death. That's the phrase that Jesus uses of himself to describe himself as the Messiah. He says, that's who I am, kind of a king, yes. Seated on a throne, yes, but also suffering. Kind of God, but kind of man, and you'll find out what I mean by that. But this is who I am. You who call me King of Israel, the political overlord. You who call me the Son of God, the ancient name for kings and rulers who would overthrow oppressed people over their oppressors. You see, a spiritually diverse community is a community that labors to explain its terms. That goes into that spiritual technology conference and sits down every time you get, every chance you get, to give that explanatory tutorial. To demystify these words and phrases or concepts or realities that otherwise would not be comprehensible just by sitting there and trying to figure it out for yourself. A spiritually diverse community calls its members to do the hard work of remembering what it was like to be on the outside looking in yourself and to reach out to the neighbor and every step of the way, sitting next to your friend and saying, this is why we do what we do, and this is what that means. And for teachers and leaders to explain their terms as well, not to make everything just simply easier, for people that are new to the Christian faith or community, not just to make it easier, but to make it more meaningful, to make it more life-impacting, to make it an authentic engagement with God in Jesus Christ. This is part of our labor of love in building a community where we're able to draw people in, to explain and to even unleash and unveil what otherwise sometimes obscures the beauty and the glory of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So will you translate? Will you be a translator? Will you be an interpreter, dear Christian friends, even as you invite neighbors and colleagues and family members into our community? Will you usher them through not just what we do but what we believe, indeed whom we believe. And the reason why we do this, the reason why we translate in this manner, is so that we all together might discover or rediscover the unexpected message of Christianity. The unexpected story of the Savior of the world that was from Nazareth. Right? Because even to Nathanael's eyes and ears, this was an impossibility. But the Savior of the world was from Nazareth. He came in weakness, in forgettability, in backwardness. Came to earth not in power, but in suffering. He suffered to atone for our sins and our selfishness. On the cross, he died taking the punishment that we deserve for our sins that we might be forgiven fully and finally and freely. And the way that you receive this gift of life is by confessing that you're sort of from Nazareth too. Maybe not biologically, and maybe not socioeconomically, literally, but that you're weak. You see, because what makes Christianity different from every other religion is this. That every other religious system says that if you want to find God, if you want to improve yourself, if you want fulfillment, then you need to be strong. You need to be someone from Jerusalem, you see. You need to have it together. You need to be able to succeed at keeping the moral rules. You need to prove yourself to God. You need to make the world a better place. You need to be strong. Christianity, the faith of Jesus of Nazareth teaches the exact opposite. That you need to come in your weakness. And every one of us has that. You need to come in your weakness. Jesus came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Every other religion only appeals to our strengths and to the strong. Christianity is for anyone who's willing to admit how weak they really are in their sin, in their moral ability, even in your sincerest intentions, that you're not, in fact, as consistent as you believe that you are, that you don't actually love, that you don't actually care about the world and about this neighbor, your neighbor as much as you know you ought. You are weak. I am weak. We need a Savior of the weak. Hallelujah. We have Jesus of Nazareth. As someone has said poignantly, Jesus was from Nazareth, he still is, Christianity is. For those that discover the mystery of this kind of honesty to say, I can't save myself, I can't atone for myself, I can't clean up myself, I can't prove myself or impress God to receive me for myself, who would come and embrace Jesus for who he is, can receive this promise, as it says earlier in John chapter 1, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, God gave the right to become children of God. This is our desire, in the end, that people would come to know this gift, this offering of love, of free grace, That you would come to know this God. But it's our conviction here in this community that that happens, Beth, when you are intentionally a spiritually diverse community. As part of the process of seeing the gospel for what it is. Of receiving Jesus for who he really is. So are you interested in seeing him? Are you interested in sharing him and walking with a friend or neighbor to, together in community, discover the glory and the reality of Christ. Do you want to find him? Do you, do you want to find him? Come and see. Come to a spiritually diverse community. Come and see. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see to see you. And our neighbors and friends as well. And that you would make us a community that's willing to labor and love and respect and humility, to be a place where all kinds of people will be able to encounter you, to have barriers removed and resistances removed by your spirit, that they would see you in a saving way. This is our desire. Do that in our midst. Do that in this church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.